Pod Money Podcast with Andy Case and special guest. Hello and welcome to the Bon Mo podcast. This week, Tinan Duyab is answering the questions while I chip in with my witty and pithy observations. Yes, yes I do. And with that, over to Tinan. Ah, right. Uh, so I'm interviewing myself. Um, I don't know what my own interview manner is when it comes to me, uh, but I'll try. Uh, question question right. one. I'll, uh, straight and firm, I think. Straight and firm. Should I be quite aggressive? Uh, maybe I'll be quite <laughs> maybe I'll uh, old school Jeremy Paxman and uh, interrogate myself if I don't answer things properly. Um, <laughs> I might I might go easy. We'll see. We'll see what we start with. I mean, question one is quite a toughie. Uh, looking at this, uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to deal with this. Please introduce yourself. That's hard. Uh, I am. I am me. I'm always me. Uh, haven't been anyone else despite efforts. Um, no, I'm Tian and Duyeb. Uh, I keep saying I'm a writer, comedian and tired, which I think is, despite being silly, very accurate. <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah. Those are all my oh, job that's, titles. That's yeah, yeah, I mean, I also... Uh, no, I, I, I was trying to think if I could add anything else to that repartee, but no, I'm pretty useless at everything. I make really good sandwiches <laughs> um, and a damn great cup of tea. Um, my then it says my now this is tricky because it says uh, tell us your favourite song book film um, I don't have one that's all three things no I'm only joking um, my favourite song book film and your favourite joke or observation now my issue is I change what my favourite song book and film is on a regular basis depending on how I feel and what the weather is what time of year it is but off the top of my head for now uh, my favourite song is either Nature Boy by Nat King Cole. Well, his version of uh, Nat King Cole, even though the Eden Arbor's uh, original version is also beautiful. Um, that mm-hmm. it, it just, it, it's such a brief little song. It's so beautiful and it will render me to tears very quickly just because it's so emotional. And I, I, it's, that's probably my favourite song. It's either that or at the moment, uh, Cream by Wu Tang, because I, I, I've just had that on loop for a little bit because I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so two very different ends of my yeah, daily spectrum. Um, <laughs> my favourite book, and again, this changes uh, because. Uh, I mean, Hitchhiker's Guide is always a, a, an obvious, but yeah. actually I've just finished reading the new book by Max Brooks called, De- well, not new, came out a couple of years ago, but I am slow. Um, and it's called Devolution <laughs> and it's about evil yetis. Um, and I loved it so much, but his first book, World War Z, it's not, it's not an intellect, it's not a literary feat. It's not the most incredible, it's, you know, it's not something that I think people discuss for years, but it is the most fun I think I've ever had aside from Hitchhikers, maybe, that I've ever had reading a book. It is a horror... It's a horror book about a zombie apocalypse done in diary entries from the different people experiencing it. And I don't oh, think I've read anything quicker. Well, yeah, you should look it up. Andy, yeah. it's, it's... It is... Um, it's so... It's not only fun, but it is really cleverly done. So each entry is the doctor that first experiences the first symptoms, the person that's in a certain, you know, location, there's someone in the army who's having to do it, and, it, and how it pans out and it feels so real and yet so exciting Brilliant. and the film is rubbish and never ever see the film stupid it's, Brad Pitt stupid yeah. rubbish Brad Pitt yeah. <laughs> the film um, funny enough I was in Glasgow about six months a year after that film came out and the taxi driver was very keen to point out 
um, highlights, shall we say, of going round. And he pointed out the hills that were used in, oh, I've forgotten the name now, the detective, Murder. Always just said that very strongly. That oh, Taggart. Taggart, that's yeah. it. He was very keen to point out the hills that were in the background of the Taggart opening credits. And then as he was driving me into Glasgow, he was pointing out other things. And then when we got to sort of the centre of Glasgow, he said, and this is where they filmed the um, sort of riot running scenes. Yeah, which is weird, is it? Because they could have just done it on Sucky Hall Street at three AM and not had to like put yeah. anyone in makeup. Um, no, not had any extra. I don't time, mean it's... that Glasgow listeners. I don't. We all know what Sucky Hall Street is like. But but it was incredible because he, he was telling me all this amazing positive stuff about Glasgow. Then as he stopped, he said, and also over there, that's where some people died, and then just stopped talking. And I was like, I I if I was you, I would I would end on the World War Z bit. Yeah. And and just ask, don't don't end on the people died bit. What? How is that a highlight? But apparently that was his that was his closing comment. So I find um, Glasgow very... cab drivers exceptional in uh, in in their chat being unlike the chat you'll ever get anywhere else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it, it was brilliant. The, the stuff he was pointing out. Yeah, it was brilliant. I, I'll give him that. Just the, I'll just say the last thirty seconds was a bit. Oh God, that's a come down. That is Jesus. really brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is a uh, wow. Well, it's the most interesting tour guide you'll ever get, probably the most yes. raw, yes. raw tour of Glasgow. Um, yes. But yeah, I would, well, I would recommend not seeing that film, despite uh, the, the scenes in Glasgow and and reading the book. And the, the new one, Devolution, <laughs> is yeah, it's about well, it's about Bigfoot, and it's about a group of people trapped in a sort of eco community on a mountain, and uh, Bigfoot decides to um, devolve and, and eat human flesh, and again. I enjoyed it more than most things lately. It was incredible. Um, and then film. Oh, yeah, film. I was thinking about this. Oh, my... I saw After Sun recently, and that ruined me. That was incredible. But I think my favourite film oh, ever is... It's such a beautiful, wonderful film. Um, but I think my favourite film constantly is really Singing in the Rain, which uh, has... I mean, yes. Yeah, I, it's just... It's flawless, right? It's flawless. I totally agree with you. Yes, I, I'm so pleased. Not many people say that film, and I'm so pleased when people say it, because... It's such a good film. It's incredible. I, I, I mean, like really, like I, I think of sort of my life. I like Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark is always up there, and and Star Wars. I'm, I'm the original trilogy. I'm always such a big fan. But Singing in the Rain, no matter when it's on, I will watch. I will. I will have to stop and watch it because I love it. Yeah. I just love every second. It's so joyous, but also I think Gene Kelly. Uh, and this is a really sort of weird uh, uh, comment to make, but I think. I remember sort of hearing a documentary about how he made dancing masculine. And I don't mean that it needs to be, but I think that he was very much a kind yeah. of this heroic, handsome figure, but also did all this delicate, beautiful ballet. And it's kind of the opposite of toxic masculinity. It was kind of this this man who was a real sort of man's man, but but then beautiful ballet and tap dancing and, and, and all these kind of triple yes. threat. And, it, and it's it's not something we really have now in today's kind of cinema industry or world. And... and no. It's something just so wonderful about it. And Make Them Laugh is the most incredible, brilliant song. Moses Supposes, uh, that whole routine. So, yeah, I, I think I think I've got to just... Um, it's, it's got no, to I think that. that's, yeah. that's a superb choice, and I fully support it. I mean, the the scene with the hidden microphone is, I think, possibly one of the best bits in yes. any film in it. And then to know he's just that lose, he's just losing the plot. It's like it's there. <laughs> yeah, and then to know as well that um, Debbie Reynolds didn't actually do her own singing in that, and it was someone else's voice. No. So the, the irony is is yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truly great brilliant. choice. Yeah, that's a, that's a great choice. 
That's cool. Uh, and then and then it was favorite joke or observation. Um, I that's hard. Uh, my I don't really know what my favorite observation is. I quite like the idea that clothes horses couldn't survive in the wild. That's why we have to have them at home. Um, and uh, <laughs> but my favorite joke is probably still I think one of Carey Marx's jokes. I love Carey. I think he's such an incredibly funny man. Uh, hugely. He's not underrated by comedians, but I think by the world he should be. He should be doing more in the world. Um, but he has a lovely joke about how he was chopping an onion, and his he was crying, and his friend came up and said, "Oh, it's to do with the fumes. You need to put a bit of bread under your eyes or cover your eyes to stop uh, the fumes." And he said, "Sure, but how will that stop the fact that my mum died choking to death on an onion?" And <laughs> and I always think that's so beautifully funny. <laughs> Very good, nice twist. I love it. Yeah. He's he's very good. got so many wonderful gags, and that one always tickles me. Um, Brilliant. So that's that. That's all my favorite favorite things. Is it is for today? It's my favorite things for today. Um, that's fair enough. I, I, I think most people. I've interviewed a few people now, and I think there's a lot of as of now. Yeah, this is my favorite thing to change, and that's that's just being human, isn't it? You know. Well, I I I always refer to a um sorry to refer to another podcast on your podcast, Andy, um but the, the there was a Mark Maron interview some years ago with Tom York, and whether or not you like Radiohead or Tom York, it doesn't doesn't really matter. I don't care. Um, but the but the in in it, I remember him saying, "How come every album you do is different?" Because they do. Uh, every Radiohead album sounds like them, but changes in its genres and its tones. And I just thought his answer yes. was brilliant and that he said well my influences change i listen to new things and that new thing changes me if i made the same song every time i would be lying because i've grown i've got older i listen to new things i've read different things i've seen new stuff and i take all those influences when we write stuff and i think that's the same with all of us really i, I just thought it was very interesting i, I sort of really thought about it with my comedy like uh I can't keep doing the same thing because I'm not the same person I was when I started and I care about exactly. different things. I'm interested in different things. And, and so, you know, it, it's just, I, I think similarly, yeah. It, it, what was my favourite film 20 years ago would not be my favourite film now. And, and yeah. Oh, yes, it's, it's interesting. That conversation came up about films you loved that you may not have seen for many years and then you revisit it and you realise that it's shockingly awful for various unacceptable reasons that you hadn't clocked at the time. Yes. And yeah. that, yeah, that's a huge dynamic as well, isn't it? That you, you watch, you say, I love that film. And then you sit down to watch it. You're like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. We've had that. We don't remember that. With, with Disney films. I've been trying to show my daughter some classic Disney films and on Disney yeah. plus, uh, on the kids' profile, there are a number of classic films that aren't on the kids' profile. And I thought, well, that's funny, isn't it? I think Peter Pan was one of them. And I thought, yeah. well, I can't. That's funny. I can't imagine that. Uh, so so we went into my profile. We said, we're going to watch Peter Pan, right? Because I think you'll love it. Immediately, there is some massively sexist stuff about Wendy, <laughs> about she's a girl yeah. and how she shouldn't be able to do what boys do and how she's going to have to be a mother soon, even though she's like 11. It's really yeah. awful. Yeah. And and then yeah. there's the most racist depiction of a Native American I've ever seen. And I yeah. sort of just hadn't remembered any of this and yeah. suddenly thought, my God, I shouldn't be showing this to my daughter um, or I need to be feeling... I kept having to pause and go, OK, so this bit isn't OK. And <laughs> it sort of really ruined the flow of the film. But, yeah. Pausing it every two minutes. Right, now, there's a reason this is unacceptable. Yeah, it's, uh, it's true. I think you're right. I think, and I think to, to not beat ourselves up too much about that, I think when when you fondly remember a film, you, you remember a couple of high points of the film. 
you don't remember the whole 90 minutes. You just remember some key points or a key twist or something that made you go, I love that film. And and it's sometimes when you watch it again, either actually it's quite appalling apart from yeah, that twist. Yeah. Or as you say, there's some stuff in it where you're, where you're like, oh, God. <laughs> well, it's also, I think there's a weird thing, you know, because we've really got this society now that like, um, who did it happen to? And I'm probably going to defend the wrong person because they probably did do something awful. But I, I think it happened like James, was it James Gunn, the director of Guardians? They brought up some tweets of his from like 10 years ago. Yeah. Went, oh, well, yeah, and, and you sort of go, that wasn't great. Or I, I can't remember what he said. So now again, I'm probably going to get cancelled for defending it. But I remember him sort of saying it wasn't great. You know, it wasn't great. But also 10 years later, you're not the same person you were 10 years before. And it's a thing that has always been no. with comedy. I mean, some of the early gags I wrote, I would never dare say now, but in 2004, I was uh, much younger <laughs> and and I had no clue of what the tone was and I hadn't learned a lot of things. And, you know, I don't think you should sort of apologise for that. I think you should accept that you have changed and, and things are different. I think that's, I think that's allowed. Well, and, and, you should, and within reason, you should be giving people the opportunity to do precisely that, is to say that's wrong change. And if they change, it's like, great, then yeah. you've changed. You, know, that, you, you can't just damn people to hell for it. I mean, obviously there there are certain people who you, are irrecoverable. Yes, because of their yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I'm just talking about average Joe, you know, Everyone is. If if someone actually played you back your entire life, I'm pretty sure all of us at some point have have said something a bit sexist or you yeah. know just a bit yeah. dodgy or something. You know, I'm sure at some point in your teenage years, as much as you like to imagine now that perhaps you were completely and utterly, you know, woke and and never said anything even vaguely wrong or problematic. I'm pretty sure someone got a silly film out from your past life and went right. Let's sit down and whistle through yeah. <laughs> everything you said. You'd be going, oh God! Yeah, it'd be. I'm an awful human being. Just our schoolyard. You're not that person now. That's the thing that we used to have. I, 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 we're appalling. You know, it's like just sort of when you look back, they were homophobic, they were sexist, all. But it was, it was the eighties and nineties, and and we've all hopefully learnt. uh, You know, you change, don't you? And you understand. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's allowed. I think it's a good thing. A good thing to change. And again, sorry, I've got you. I don't want to. I know we're stuck on question two a bit at the moment, but there's also a thing about you. If if you remove all reference to the past, then there's there's nothing to really prove yeah. the where we've come from. Yeah, journey kind of thing is there. It's like no, that did exist and it was wrong. But if a lot of people have realised it's wrong and have grown up and you've got to learn from history, changed. even if it's your own really yeah. boring school history. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, your own, yeah, your own, your own boring, boring history. history. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I was gonna, yeah, what, what was the question? Uh, oh, yeah, well, in fact, no, but this kind of ties into question two, sort of. Um, because mm. question two, uh, let me ask myself in a serious tone, which comedian or sketch first made you laugh? Oh, that's a great question, Tim, and thank you, uh, even though Andy wrote it. Um, <laughs> And this is true. We'll, we'll come to a bit. I'll come to a bit that sort of is relevant to that chat. But I think an earliest memory is that the laughing policeman record, which is quite simply a policeman uh, as somebody who's supposed to be a policeman laughing to a tune, that yeah. used to make me and my friend Finbar, age four or five, laugh until we cried, and it always made him wet himself, which was very funny. It was so. It was <laughs> genuinely the funniest. Just hearing someone go, oh, 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 o
And I think then the the Muppets used to, but I, I, I the Muppets I used to just adore everything the Muppets did. Yeah. Um, but I think as a sort of young adult, when I sort of generally had a kind of started to understand sense of humour, um, I think it was Stavros on Friday Night Live, which is now probably a horribly stereotypical, uh, slightly racist character. I'd say probably not slightly, very racist character. Um, yeah. But I remember being in Stitches that Harry Enfield had said, I come from Greece, Bethnal Greece, because uh, Bethnal Green wasn't that far from where we lived. And I thought that was the yeah. funniest thing I'd ever heard. Um and he had a joke about crazy paving and then sort of uh, sort of pissing on someone's crazy paving and that being that proper crazy paving. I remember just finding this, the wordplay yeah. blew me away. Yes. I'd never... And because and, my parents let me stay up and watch Friday Night Live. And I, and I mean, Ben Elton, yeah. I think Ben Elton was maybe a little bit too old for me, but seeing the kind of character comedy made me... Uh, just laugh and laugh. And and I remember some early Jack D on that as well. And and it, I think that was the first time I ever really loved stand-up. I just suddenly went, what yes. is this? <laughs> I have never seen anything like this before. And uh, and Alexi Sale. Alexi Sale doing routines about like the, the, his weird smearing Marmite on yourself routine, which I don't know if you've ever seen that. Did you ever? Did you ever yeah. smear Marmite all over your crutch? And, uh, and it was just so weird. And uh, yeah. and I howled, I absolutely howled, and I think that was that was a real learning experience, definitely. But yeah, Stavros now, oh oh no, <laughs> early Stavros. Anyway. No, no, no. But but it is yes. Uh, I won't go back over that ground again. But there there are things, formative things that, as you say, at that moment in time, you thought you found incredibly funny, and it's on reflection. You're going, oh. God, mm. you know, but learn and grow, learn and grow. Absolutely, absolutely. If only I could grow. Uh, that sadly stopped uh, <laughs> age 14. Um, so question three. Uh, oh, this is tricky. I can't really remember this. It says, what is the most outrageous request you've ever received for attending a gig such as no money, too far, and how did you handle it? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> That's my big problem. Because I think, sadly, it happened a lot, especially when I was uh, an open spot. Um, I remember very clearly driving all the way to Exeter to do a five-minute set for no money. And um, wow. that was a three-and-a-half-hour drive there, three-and-a-half-hour drive back, a rubbish gig I did. <laughs> it was rubbish. Oh, and and I remember just going, yeah, this is just what we have to do, isn't it? Um, and now, of course, uh, sometime down the line going, why would I ever have done that? But you just sort of assume you should. Um, yes. It's part of the initiation, as it were. And, and at the time, I had a day job, so I was... Uh, I had, you know, it wasn't, it was, well, it was losing me money, but I, it wasn't my sole income. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I think I did too many of those depressingly. And, and when you say, how did you handle it? I think sadly I just did the gigs <laughs> because I didn't know any better. <laughs> I didn't know any better. And it took me yeah. years to just say, I, I think that whole thing of you've got to do it for the experience. And, and there is a little bit in that. I think especially when you're uh, starting out, you should do as many gigs as you can for the experience. Should you be exploited? Yeah. No. <laughs> should you should you go out no. of your way to drive miles to do that? No, you should do as many gigs as you can, but do them within your means. Um, and I didn't realise that bit. And I think I, I very much got carried away on uh, doing too many things for the experience. And, hey, maybe this will lead to someone hearing it, seeing it, that, that means something. Yes. And um, yeah. now I'm old and grumpy. I say no to so many things <laughs> i say nope uh, no, not enough time 
Well, lucky you said yes to me then with Monsoon Jackson, I suppose. Well, always. Well, but I, I love that show and I love doing it with you before. And I think, but I think you have to choose. Um, my so my wife is uh, an ex drama school uh, kid. Uh, um, she's she's not that's yeah. she was a kid when she was at drama school. She's not now. That sounds weird. Um, she's an ex drama <laughs> school student, um, and she had a big thing about their their drama school had a motto of um, the three. I think they had to call it the three C's because you couldn't call it the three K's, so that would sound really awful. So it had to be the three C's. Oh, yes. oh, yeah, yes. exactly. Oh, so it was like, <laughs> so which actually two of them are K's. So yeah, but it should be kicks, cash, or kudos. So either you get yes. kicks out of it and you enjoy it, um, you get paid, or you it will it will do something to further your kind of career. And those are the only re- three reasons. If it's not going to tick any of those boxes, you shouldn't do it. Don't do it. And I think that's, it's a good list. Yeah. Very good advice. Yeah, blimey. Despite the dodgy I'm so initials. Glad someone, I'm really glad someone picked up on the three Ks before yeah. that <laughs> That could have gone <laughs> horribly wrong. Where did I see someone tell me there is a country where, oh no, Brazil, where uh, where the KKK stands for like ha ha ha, which is, uh, that's going to cause some awful oh, confusion that's... at some point. There you go. Oh, it's, it's not a good PR thing, is no. it? If it's a <laughs> no. language, it's difficult, isn't it? I suppose, but absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, sorry, that's that's a bit of a rubbish. I'm pretty sure I've been offered some some rubbish thing. But also, I've done I've done some gigs for like I remember doing a lovely uh, charity gig, uh, and because it was charity, they just paid me in a in the most beautiful bottle of whiskey <laughs> and um and i did one charity gig and got bought a lovely uh like they they had a little goodie bag and it just had local um where was it It was down um somewhere on the south coast i can't remember now uh the name of the place which is awful but it had all local produce in it so it had like some lemon yeah, ketchup yeah, yeah. and some lovely like cordial but it was all made like and i was like Do you know what this is so wonderful because <laughs> I'd have done this gig for nothing since yeah. charity. And actually, you've put so much care and thought into this that it made it made my day, you know. So it's I'd, yeah. So geeks, kudos or cash? I like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's important. Or, or tasty or tasty food. Tasty so. food or cuisine. Four C's. There we I go. consider Cuisine. that kicks. That's I get most of my kicks now from oh, taste. Enough, yeah. My life is at a stage where most of my kicks are just from things I eat that I enjoy and very little else. Um, so. <laughs> It's it's one of it's it's fast it's great you say that actually because one of the other interviews um they were asked to do a, a gig and they knew the person was a good baker and said she made these amazing cupcakes so although I wasn't paid I got this box of cupcakes yeah um yeah sort of in in payment as it were and that that was fine with me because <laughs> you know it's great I thought I like that just sometimes it's I wasn't working that night so I just scored sort of a box of cupcakes it's like. Fair enough. But it, it, you know. it also shows that kind of um, something to say that they appreciate that you're there. You know, that's it. Because yes. I think like one of the things that really shocked me, uh, I say shocked, is, is how how many gigs in the UK in particular don't, don't. Compared to like when you go abroad, and I remember particularly some gigs in Belgium that were just the most beautiful. I did four gigs in a run of Belgium, and I'm trying to remember, they called Nuff Said, I think. This lovely guy called Murad. And he, uh, every gig you turned up to, there'd be this incredible Middle Eastern buffet backstage across like three tables of salads and mains and desserts. And then every drink would be on the house. And and you'd go, is this for us? He'd be like, yeah, because you're doing the show. 
Ish, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it because only the week previous I'd been at some gig, I think in Tenbury, where the backstage room was a toilet that they'd closed for the gig so that we could put our bags in it. And it was like, oh, is that, you know, the, the difference, the difference in the appreciation of what you do. Uh, it's, it's how different countries show their hospitality, isn't it? Yeah. We're, we're not... We're not very good at hospitality. So. No, we really, we really can't. And, and and then you have these gigs like so. There's a gig in Aberystwyth, Aberystwyth Uni, and it's run by the lovely people that run Macfest and and, and the same same bunch of people. Lovely, lovely Steve, no, um, who runs uh, Aberystwyth Uni, and it's such a far drive to Aberystwyth from London. It's like a good what yes. four or five hours. It takes it forever. Yeah. But you do it right, and 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 the reason you do it, it doesn't pay very. It doesn't pay that well. Um, but they do put you up, which is nice. But the reason that you always do it, and in fact still do it, um, is because Steve, who runs it, is wonderful. But also because backstage, he always had this spread, this spread of sandwiches and crisps and then really old school retro sweets. They'd just be like flumps <gasps> and refreshers. Oh, and, wow. and you knew that you'd go there. The gig would be great. You'd have a lovely time, and there'd be all these sweets, and and you and it you'd, and the five and a half hour drive didn't matter. It didn't matter because because of course you did it so it's about <laughs> it's about the kind of respect you know and the and the thoughtfulness that goes oh, I into love it, it i think yeah can you turn up with your giant tupperware box and you just <laughs> and shovel the all up, yeah. and flubs. <laughs> absolutely i am so good at and taking things from backstage back. <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely um Super. yeah that is good it's so good oh, that's lovely so good um which brings i suppose uh, well yeah i was gonna say there's a link there so uh, question four uh, You're doing very well with these links, by the way. Thanks, it's, it's like you planned. It's, it's I haven't, do you know, I haven't planned it at all. I, I was looking. At, <laughs> you did send me these questions. I thought, shall I revise them and and try and work out answers? And I thought, nah, it's more fun if the the brain Absolutely. switches on mid chat and and I can work it out. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so well, yeah. I was going to say because I mentioned Macfest, but and, and this next question is: if only one comedy festival was allowed to survive, which one would you fight for and why? And I probably should say Macfest because it's so beautiful. But I haven't done it for a few years, yeah. and actually, the most fun I've ever had. Oh, is it the most fun I've ever had at a festival? I don't know. Maybe one of the festivals I've enjoyed the most. I don't even know if it still runs. So if if it's allowed to survive, it might already be dead. I've got no idea. But I got to do a festival in Finland called Arctic Laughs. And I genuinely, oh, I genuinely wow. enjoyed that more than my, I, I don't know. It was it was freezing cold, but they really looked <laughs> after us, and we got to got taken to all these really cool bars in Helsinki. I got to speak to all these different audiences who are meant to be the Finns are meant to be quite a quite a tough audience. That's what you get told, but actually, yeah, yeah. I learned that I. I, I, I worked out some jokes straight away about hunting moomins and I had some jokes about, <laughs> at the time, their prime minister who was... I mean, and I, this is a wonderful thing, but their prime minister had, had taken in and housed refugees in his own home, and which yeah. is... What an incredible thing to do. And I had said, yeah. well, you know, what, that is wonderful, uh, but, of course, they come from a very hot country. Finland's currently minus 25 degrees. Actually, it's an act of cruelty. And so it was like... It was things that were about them... And as soon as I'd done that, yeah. they opened up immensely. And I just had these, I think did something like seven gigs in the space of four days. Um, and we were treated to food every night and, and all the, and it, I don't know, there was something about it that just felt so exciting and so different. And uh, 
Yeah, oh, I had a lovely time. But I don't know if it exists anymore. So if it, if it's what was allowed to survive, I might already be dead. I don't know. Um, you'll bring it back from the I'll dead I'll bring it back from gone. the yeah. dead yeah that's it that's it um, but otherwise Mac is so much fun I do love Mac a lot even though I haven't been for a while I miss it excellent yeah it's pretty good um, question five I don't have a link for question five uh, and in fact I've got a boring answer for question five do you have a lucky totem that has to attend every show event or writing room with you what do you believe would happen if you lost it no I don't because I would lose it that is why I do not have one <laughs> I thought about this very early on and I know I would lose it and I'm not no I'm not I mean I'm not superstitious I don't really have anything like that that I have to always have on me or apart from my diabetic insulin pump if that's not with me I'm in trouble um but generally that's a different thing I'm a lucky totem I suppose yeah I mean it's sort of lucky in that if I haven't got that insulin I I can't do anything um I can I can survive for 24 hours I have you know I will be off my face um but um <laughs> Yeah, I, it was the same with like props. I, I, I early on when I started, I used to do a bit of things where I used to kind of draw while I had a big easel and I used to kind of draw while doing like some jokes. And um, then I realised that was a pain in the ass to carry around. I couldn't be bothered. Then I had like a talking Mr. T thing that used to heckle the audience back. So I'd ask them to do heckles and they'd heckle and then he'd say, shut up, fool. And, um, and I found that funny. Um, but then also that ran out of steam and it wasn't that funny. <laughs> and, and so, I, and, uh, so I just sort of, I realised I can't be a prop comic because I don't want to carry a whole extra suitcase of props. Um, I don't have a totem because I will lose it. It will get in the wrong trousers and get washed and it will, you know. So <laughs> no, none of those things. I don't want them. I think if, it seems like a very sensible reason not to have one, I, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I don't so. trust myself. It's one of those things, you know, like I think I always said that like like uh, social media, one of my, um, and I suppose life, but one of my things with social media is always I didn't understand how everyone could be so confident they knew everything and they were experts in everything. Because for me, I don't I don't think I'm an expert in anything. Like I don't trust myself. There's often I'll make myself lunch and go, how have I not poisoned myself today? And this is a real <laughs> win. And I just, <laughs> and maybe I'm not, maybe maybe I should see a therapist. But, but yeah, I don't know. I always sort of just think, like with, with a totem, it's like no, I I know I'll lose that. I just I know me. I know me very well. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't put the oven cleaner in my sandwich again today. Hooray! Yeah, that's it. You've got. I feel. I feel that 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 kind of. Uh, I don't know. When you assume you're so good, you know this. I don't know how people can survive like that. And and uh, I always just. I always just assume. I haven't got a clue. I've done it wrong. And then when it comes to it's, it's at the moment, I'm, you know, mainly script writing. And when they come back to me and go, yeah, that script's great. I'm like, are you sure? Really? I'm like, are you sure? I, I mean, really, I've got no idea. I just sort of write it as I write it and send it to you and then, um, and then hope for the best. <laughs> and that's kind of, that's my everyday. <laughs> so. well, I, I think that's, it's funny. It's funny you say that because there's, there's a, a script I'm working on that, has undergone so many reworkings based on other people's feedback. And I'm not having to go at those people's feedback, let's be very clear mm. about that. But it's undergone so many changes that it doesn't feel like it's what it's supposed to be anymore. So I'm actually going to go back to the original mm. and obviously tighten it up a bit and stuff, but I'm actually almost going to go back again and say, no, I, I just want it to be what I want it to be. Not not in a sort of arrogant, egotistical way, but just in a... But I, I want it to be what's 
what I've written, not what a committee has told me it should be. Yeah, I think there's you know. there's a, there's a line, and I think you have to be confident in what you want it to do with it. But there's also there's a line yeah. in that. I mean, I think it helps to have people that that you trust with feedback. So I've got a friend um, called uh, Elliot. Shout out to Elliot, who is unbelievably good at feedback. And so far, Brilliant. he's very kindly. I mean, he is a script editor and he's a sort of producer on things, which helps. Um, but I have sent him a few scripts, and the feedback he's given me, I've gone. Oh my god! Of course, that's like you're absolutely right. And, but he doesn't. It doesn't damage what it is. It doesn't. It's it's real little insights. And I think, I, I um I think my wife's very good at it. So I always trust you know her to read it. I've I've got certain people. And then of course when you're actually working for another sh- someone else's show, you have to get their yes, notes absolutely. anyway. You don't you don't really have a choice. But I think you have to have that. There's a there's a fine line, in so the confidence of what you want it to be and need it to be, and also a willingness to know that an outside eye can spot things. But I think you're also within oh, your right yeah. to say no to some notes. You know, I've definitely had notes. And I've had, like, um, in, in with stand-up, I had people go, you know, you could add this bit to this joke. And I thought, no, because I know that won't, that doesn't work for me. And that and that's not where I want yeah. it to land. And that then ruins the timing of the next bit. And that then, you know, so... Uh, and other times where I've had a, an, an end of a joke added by someone, I thought, oh, my God, that's made it a 400 times better joke. And I know it'll get... So yeah. you... you you got to be picky and choosy, but I think I think I was going to say it's just like um, a grand scale, really. But I always think of um, uh, and again, uh, it's probably people listening to this go, "Well, I hate his films or whatever." But I always think of Steven Spielberg. Generally, has never mm. thought any of his films were how they should have been in the end. He never. He always wanted to change yeah. more things to them. He always felt like there was more that could have been done and could have been changed. And mm. even though he's done some of the, you know, arguably the greatest films, like all the most incredible films ever or whatever, whereas like Michael Bay <laughs> will go, yeah, Transformers <laughs> is the best action movie ever. And I sort of feel like that attitude isn't going to, I I trust people that, that may, that maybe uh, it's not perfectionism. There's, there's maybe being too much perfectionist. It can drive you mad, but, but knowing that, that, that things need more work than, than just that. First I think, day. It is very easy to be depressed when, um, yeah, those kind of films keep being and keep being made. Not just that there was one, but they keep making Transformers, and you keep going. I but there's so many. I'm not just talking about my. I'm not just saying my scripts. I'm talking about there are so many great writers out there with so many original and great script ideas. Make one of those. It's like, and there's a lot of talk. Obviously, the strikes a lot at the moment, quite rightly. But there's also a lot of talk of part part of that has come out with. Studios don't want to take risks anymore. They just want bankable. They know people are going to watch it. Bankable you know? IP, existing IP is the term. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, if someone comes along and says, oh, "I've got this film about I don't know a, a cow with cancer and you know blah blah blah," and this thing happens, and they live on an island, and, and maybe it's the most beautiful story ever written, and it's amazing, and it'll you know it'll shock you to your core and make you cry for four hours. What the? And then someone turns up, got yeah, I've just got this one that's basically a load of CGI stuff, you know, beating seven shades out of each other, and there's like lasers and stuff. They're like, yes, that one. We want the laser one, you know, and it's like, ah, but please, please stop making those films. There's so many of those films available now. Can't you just say, we're going to take a bit of a rest now from the whole huge CGI laser battle stuff, and we're going to make some films with, I don't necessarily mean, I don't mean kind of like three hours of people just sat like in a classic French black and white, just sort of staring at each other around a table for three hours, not doing anything. I don't mean that level, but 
stuff that maybe just has a bit more gravitas or a bit more feeling, a bit more reality, a bit more, I can really, really align myself with this or I've had this experience. You know, that kind of filmmaking is, it's, it's being killed off because mm. I know the odd one gets through. You know, you, you referred to one earlier, but in the main, it's kind of space laser battles type stuff, isn't it? And it's just, oh. I don't mind a space laser battle. I just don't want it to be the only thing I can watch, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, I think audiences are getting fed up with it and I think it's becoming visible and I think we can see that in uh, the lack of box office sales for various superhero franchises, how much they've dropped. And I think that, that people uh, mm. are hungering for... You know, we, we all drive this, whether we like it or not. We, I think we all got suckered into... Uh, there's, I've got a theory that isn't right and no one cares about but i feel like superhero <laughs> films for a while were kind of necessary because things were really bleak and we needed a bunch of heroes to just be sorting things out and i feel like there was a real like especially the 2010s when all those marvel yeah. films all those dc films were coming out but actually it was when we had so many political events that were awful and mm. and people were seeking a kind of escapism and a hero, and and we're yeah. kind of I mean we're not through that things are probably worse now, but there's we're, we're t- you know people are tired of them. You can see that in box office results, and I think this whole idea of it being existing IP is to sell toys, it's to sell merch, it's to sell this whole thing, and it's but it's it's I think it will change, and I think it's starting to, um, and I think things like the writers' strikes and stuff will help. Um, yes, I, well I hope so. Hopefully they'll. I don't want to use the word cave, that's a bit emotive, but I hope the uh, studios and things will say, you know, we are being completely unreasonable. Let's reset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I hope so. I think it's got to... I think, and I think, um, you know, it's the same, because I was talking, having a long chat with someone the other day about AI, which I do not know enough about. And I think that <laughs> I have this weird faith. I, I don't know where it comes from, and I'm probably wrong. <laughs> but I have this weird faith that... Sure, AI may end up writing films, books, things, but people know. People will always seek some sort of humanity. In the same way that post-pandemic, doing a gig was one of the most enjoyable experiences ever because there was this connection in a room of going, I I can feel this human thing and this human connection. In the same way, when you watch a film that is written by someone who cares or, or you read a book that's written by someone who's really put their heart into it, you feel it. You feel it and it means something. And I don't think that will, I don't think AI will ever be able to replicate that. I'm sure I'm going to eat my words in 10 years' time when an AI delivers the, the Booker Prize uh, winning, like, um, my life as a, as a binary code or something, some sort of sad. But, but I, you know, I feel like we're going to, we, we're, we're sociable creatures. We need, we need each other's input. We need each other's thoughts and feelings. So that's my, my vague bit of optimism that will probably be absolutely think, no, <laughs> chucked down the train in 10 years' time. I think you're right. I think, I, I mean, it has its place and it will get used and exploited, but I think eventually, or certainly long-term, human writers will stay the course because, as you say, it just needs that human input, doesn't it? Yeah. You, you just can't get it from You can't get it from AI. Um, no matter how much data you might give it, That's you're it. never going to get that human touch, are you? So. I hope so. Well, that could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, wrong, I really it's... hope I'm not wrong because I would like to keep writing as a career. So <laughs> I don't want a robot to take my job. Yeah, well, that's a scary thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It does always please me, though, in the idea of like lots of these sci-fi films where uh, 
it's like Terminator and you know all these kind of films where robots take over and destroy things and actually the future we've got the robots going to be doing lovely artwork and writing books <laughs> so I feel like maybe that's a more positive I don't know probably that so yes it's a it's a nicer future if they're actually doing some positive things isn't it rather than trying to immediately kill you yes yeah, exactly yeah. exactly yeah. the robots have taken over the, the tate and put in too many <laughs> beautiful oil paintings it's not it's not quite so dramatic um ah uh, this next question is hard there's some hard ones in here andy this is not fair right. um if you could pretend a sketch <laughs> radio show tv show or film was written by you which one would you blatantly steal um, I don't think I'd get away with it. I still think the the TV full of lizards sketch from Jam, Chris Morris's Jam, is one of my favourite oh, things Lord. that has ever happened, as is the Dr. Knee sketch. Those two are two of my favourite sketches ever because they are so unnerving and they make me laugh and I cannot, I cannot understand. I don't even know why I'm laughing at them and I think that's incredible. Yeah. It, it's amazing how... I wouldn't say few because there are probably lots of people out there, but I've got Jam on DVD, mm. um, and I'm um, uh, my d- wonderful other half Heather. Just I have to watch it when she's not around because mm. it's just not her thing. But every time I watch it, it's it's just so twisted and so immersive and so mad, you know, uh, in a good way. You just think it's such a shame more of this wasn't you know hasn't is doesn't get made you know just that risky stuff that oddball stuff that yeah just not the run of the mill there's a family and they've got two kids and oh you know and the wrong the wrong car's being delivered and oh no you know and uh i don't know you know there's a cow in the garden it's like yeah but oh but every show's doing that you know yeah sort of thing where's all that mad it's like early channel four i suppose a bit when yeah, and they still don't get me wrong. They still do still do some amazing stuff. I'm not saying there's no amazing stuff out there, but the really extreme kind of stuff like jam, you think you don't that doesn't surface very often anymore, does it? No, it's, it's partly to it was such I say such an individual voice. I know Chris Morris had other other writers that wrote yeah. it with him, but it was very much an individual voice and individual vision. Um, yeah. And we don't that's not really allowed. So very, very, so many studios, execs, various things get involved and tamper with it. Um, and yeah, I think Jam true. was such a, it was an experience. It wasn't just a comedy show. It was an experience. I'd never seen, I think I watched that as a teenager and I had never seen anything like it before in my life. And it blew my mind. And I still think it, sh- again, much like the sort of Friday Night Live stuff, it shaped my humour forever, I think seeing that that's what you could do with jokes. You could go quite so dark and at the same time have so beautifully silly, like the woman uh, in the parking meter um, finds women. I can't remember what you call that now. In the government office, she's, she, you know, somebody goes up to him because he's got a parking meter fine and she is too stupid to understand what he means and therefore... Oh, she, yes, she's got the fine. She's too stupid to know what the fine means that she ends up getting away with it and it's all about... And it's so beautifully silly and really on point. <laughs> and, and there's, you know, it yeah. had such a wonderful mix of light and really, really twisted. Um, but I think that that TV full of lizard sketch, I, I still think about it. I don't, it, it ends with a man crying and I don't really know why yes. it's funny. And yet I will, it ruins me. It's so funny. Um, and it's, it's horrible. There's... It's a horrible idea <laughs> as well. It's, yeah, it's but I think but it's going to dark place. Maybe that's no, but it's it's just getting some of this bit uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it's just 
I don't know. You just want to see more of it, don't you? Yeah. There was another one, um, and I know Matt Berry. Well, no, I know. I don't think Matt Berry is a huge fan of it, but I always thought Snuffbox. Yeah, yeah. Was, Snuffbox was, was fantastic. Just yeah. Brilliantly, insanely mad, um, and just again, I I quickly snapped that up on DVD on the grounds that it would probably disappear forever, which it sort of has, sadly. But yeah, but yeah. there's just some, you know, there's some such twisted stuff happening in it, um, and you have to be along for the journey, but. You know, like the hanging stuff at the start of the show and that for very yeah. different reasons. So, Jesus Christ, you would never get this on mainstream TV, would well, you? The only thing it's I think has come close, I think I think um, Natasha, Dimitri and Ellie White had a couple of sketches in their sketch show that were really good. And I think Jamie yeah. Dimitri's solo hour on Netflix had some brilliantly warped stuff that I, that I just howled at. Um, yeah, they're very clever. Yeah, yeah. very clever, and I and I've really enjoyed that. And I think, but otherwise, I think like I, obviously there was a lot of um. I used to I loved Key and Peele, which in which has never really been over here. I might have got it from the internet. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, and then our two famous do sketches making horror films, but they had certain sketches. The the Key and Peele Continental Breakfast sketch is so beautifully weird that it had me. Yeah. If you, I again, and that's why I, I want that. I, I I miss I miss weird funny sometimes, um, and there are some great people yeah. out there doing it. Sam Campbell, who won Ed Fringe last year, he's he's very good at it. There's some really good acts out there doing it, but um, yeah, sometimes you need your brain to feel a bit like it's been wrangled, and you find yourself howling, and you don't really know why. <laughs> and that's my favorite. That's my favorite thing to laugh at. Um, and I I, I wrote a. a, a I wrote a pitch some years ago, which went nowhere, and uh, and I'm just going to waste it on here now. But I had it was of a sketch show called Not Right. It was entirely influenced by Jam. But one of the sketches in it was somebody turning up to a blood donor's with two buckets of other people's blood, and um, and, and and but the conversation was very sort of fine with it, even though the consent forms just had a bloodied handprint on and nothing else. <laughs> and, and and that was I really thrive on that. I love that stuff. Um, I think that's brilliant. Oh, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that made. Come on, Channel 4. Me too. I've got bloody loads of them. Um, Yeah. There you go. There you go. I can't put any of that in the kids' TV shows I'm writing, and I don't know why. I don't know why they won't have it. I I can imagine... I could love to have seen the conversation where you snuck that in halfway through. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I, won't, I won't do it. I won't do it. Um... No, quite right too. Yeah, I, I can't risk. I can't risk those jobs. Um, <laughs> what's the next one? Uh, number seven. Name one time you're proud of your work and why. Uh, I am very bad at being proud of my work. I just, I am very, um, very bad at accepting anything I've done has gone well. Uh, it is a problem. Um, but I will say, looking back, and this is a bit sanctimonious, but I will say, me and Jen Brister in 2017 ran a series of gigs called Stand Up for Refugees. Uh, we ran them in major theatres all across the UK, like the Brighton Dome and the Newcastle, whatever that big one is, and the Manchester, the Lowry. Um, and we had acts like Sarah yeah. Millican come and do it, and Nish Kumar and Adam Hills and, and Dara O'Brien. And all these right. acts came and did it for nothing. They did it absolutely for free. And we raised right. £75,000 for Help Refugees, which is now called Choose oh, Love. And that was lovely. I just sort of thought... Oh wow, we can do something. We can do something that's actually helpful. Um and I felt very that's proud incredible. about that. That was a lot of hard I mean Jen put in tons of hard work and, and I did too. We arranged all the acts and speaking to all the theatres, getting the theatres to agree to not take any cut except maybe to pay staff, you know, and, and working it all out. All these things I had no idea how to do. Neither did Jen. Yeah. And um 
And at the end, when we got that <laughs> final amount of all the money it had gone to, we thought, do you know what? That's that's something to be very proud of, and I still feel very good about that. So, yeah. quite rightly so. What an amazing result! Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, we got so to much. You and we got what was that? Sorry, to you and Jen. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, absolutely, Jen was Jen was uh, pivotal to it, and 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 uh, yeah, we got a lot of abuse on our Facebook page endlessly from racists. Um, oh, but it was uh, gosh, yeah. it was yeah. I, I didn't care. I mean, I think that nice thing of as a comedian you get so much abuse in your career anyway that we were quite aware we just told son off <laughs> quite a lot we had to be careful because it's Philip with a charity so we couldn't be too rude but quite a lot of times we just went oh, you know piss up <laughs> it was fine um i've just i was trying I just, to be careful I... with language on your show andy i don't know if what's the what are the limits on this show no i, I have i i did edit out one c word so i thought that's possibly pushing it a bit but uh, swears he's all oh, right good. I, i've said it's, in which I case it's not i told them all to fuck off um there you go that's that's the truth oh, right. i think i think that is the correct response i know we should all be highbrow and try and educate <laughs> and learn but sometimes no no none of that yes sometimes yeah um i don't i yeah. think i had this conversation with someone i think yes obviously you, you want to try and have an informed conversation with people and and just try and understand their position and see if you can work around to a slightly more agreeable position but some people just they don't want to or they're just trying to do it for for likes or whatever, they're not interested in changing their opinion, or they don't—they don't even believe what they're saying. They just they, know, they, and they know nothing about it. And, and they are—you know—there is. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember what it's called now. The effect that basically you read things often enough, and you believe that that's—is it karaoke opinions? Yeah, yeah, or the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and I'm—I'm yeah. I'm very aware of that. But also, I just—you know—that I—I just cannot fathom why you wouldn't want to help people, and I think that is. I, I think that I've, I've always had this big, I say big problem, in that, that is it's sort of a thing that I used to joke about in that, um, that I'd sort of joked about that I'm, I stopped even sort of saying that I'm left wing. I just say that I'm humanitarian, which if you don't know what that is, it's someone who eats other people. Um, but I, uh, <laughs> but I do, I just think, I just want like, why wouldn't you, people are in trouble help them i if i'm in trouble i would like to be helped it is simple as that i don't have any clever political stances or oh the the theory of this no there's some people that have had an awful time let's give them a hand and then if we have an awful time like we're i you know i i very much sort of thought of that uh, i did a show in 2015 that i talk about shows we're proud of i think that was the, the edinburgh show i was most proud of was uh, called The World's Full of Idiots, Let's Live in Space. And it got lovely, lovely audiences every day, uh, only got a handful of reviews. <laughs> and and as was the as was uh, Edinburgh thing, one of them hated it. One of the reviews loved it. Um, but it was all about <laughs> the, that, uh, the overview effect, which is when astronauts go to space and they look back at Earth for the first time and go, wow, wow, we're all this one planet. What a beautiful place we come from yeah. and how yeah. clear and obvious it is that we're all on the same place or we're all from the same place. And uh, and I just think, yeah, <laughs> it's such a shame you have to send people to space to get that view. <laughs> and I, I, I really feel yeah. like we, you know, so, yeah, that's my... Uh, and, 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 I'm so... Yeah. I'm- you know, I'm so with you on that. I'm I'm staggered, every, staggered and saddened every day that, yeah, we're on this one tiny rock. Um, we could, I, I when I say all get on with each other, I don't mean you have to like everyone because no one likes everyone, but we certainly don't have to go around killing each other and hating each other to that kind of level of, you know, some countries and and this country and just that all that hatred. And it's like, what, what do you think that's achieving in your one brief? Yeah, lip of existence on this planet, really. Wouldn't you be better to like just get 
when I say get on, I don't mean in a very naive everyone holds hands across the universe, but I mean just kind of why don't we just sort of stop trying to murder everyone or hate everyone and just do some nice stuff and just sort There's of chill stuff and enjoy it. Colour something in, exactly. eat a nice orange. I mean, just yeah. I I mean it's it's funny. I'm as I said, I'm mainly script writing, so I'm not not really doing stand up at the moment. But I have got a list of notes on my phone of stand up I would like to write something about. And one of my big things at the moment is if you don't like, I I don't even understand the need to expend energy being angry about stuff. There's a whole there's a whole thing about like you know yeah. a smile uses less muscles than a frown, which isn't correct or whatever. But also, like, doing nothing uses no muscles, right? You could do absolutely nothing, <laughs> and it would be more better. Why don't you just lie down and close your eyes and, and not type that comment? Not, you know, and I don't understand this need to expend energy on this very brief life that we have being awful. Yeah. When you could, at the very least, if you can't be nice about it, just do, just do absolutely nothing. Just <laughs> sit yeah. very still. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Yeah. So you're very still in a corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also yeah. my preferred. It's, it's what I want to get to catch on. I want, I want to uh, catch on the idea of a protest where basically all of us do nothing at once because I think that would be really powerful. And ultimately, it requires no effort. And I think that that would be <laughs> that would be great. Like really, if we stopped everything by all of us going, no, I'm not going to get out of bed today. That would be devastating. Um, yeah, and also fits with my lazy ideals. So it's like a win-win. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Oh. I like the theory. Mm, I definitely thanks. like the theory. Thanks. Um, I uh, oh right, I'm gonna, oh this uh, name. Oh, this is tricky. Well, I don't really have an answer for this. Name one time you could have curled up into a ball and let the universe swallow you whole. Now, my issue with this, I am forty-two. And I don't really get embarrassed by anything anymore because I just think, oh, well, <laughs> that happened. And I think that especially stand-up makes you quite thick-skinned. But also, if you'd asked me this 20 years ago, I could have reeled off 10 different gigs where I died on my hole at and I all wish that I'd just disappeared. Um, and I just, I think I'm very much in a place in my life now where it's, it's I wouldn't say I don't get embarrassed it's more that I don't care enough to be embarrassed and I sort of oh, know yeah. that it will things will move on and I could probably use it in, if an embarrassing thing happens to me I'll probably write about it I'll probably you know it's probably not that bad when we've got a world with everything else going on in it it's not gonna be as bad as climate change yeah. um you know so I don't that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's one way, isn't it? We say, I've had a slightly embarrassing um, problem at the supermarket this morning. Is it as bad as climate change? Well, well, no. No. Well, go over it then. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, sorry. That's it. So I think it's it's um, Andrew O'Neill. They have an absolutely brilliant bit of comedy that they do at Comedy Club for Kids. And it's about, uh, spoiler, but uh, weeing themselves during a karate lesson. And it's very, very funny. And they (laughs) accurately point out at the end of it about one of the best things about growing up is that things that embarrassed you as a kid, you can tell to adults and get paid to do it. And everyone laughs. And it is, I, I think the older you get, the the less uh, there's not yeah i don't know there's not enough things i i mean and especially as a parent as well you just deal with like my daughter crapping herself on a plane uh back from crete last year where i had to deal with, like you know and you sort of go oh no this is the worst but it's not it's not bad you clean it up you get on everyone deals with it like there's all these things you deal with that that i think 10 years yeah. before you would have felt would be a hilarious embarrassing story and now you kind of go no it's just every day dealing with a small child and so so yeah what, I, you know. I, I i'm totally with you i wish i'd had the 
I don't want to say lack of care because I care, but it's that, like you say, lack of embarrassment. Um, I wish I'd, I think everyone thinks this probably, I wish yeah. I'd had that in my 20s. Yeah, oh God, me too, you me know, too. Just, you know, 100%. It's just been wonderful, wouldn't it? Something really bad happens, you're like, yeah, well, never mind, eh? Yeah. And you move on. I'd love to have had that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in my 20s. It's oh you know, I I wish I wish I'd had that and it's definitely age I but I do also think it's comedy you know I did all Mark Watson's twenty five twenty seven hour shows and stuff and in them I did various yeah. things like get hit in the face with a giant fish or um, you know I what Gillian Anderson shaved my back all these kind of weird things and they were all hugely degrading <laughs> and I didn't care because it was very <laughs> fun and I did it for chat you know and so you put yourself through weird stuff in comedy and because you're on stage, it doesn't matter. And I think then that translates to real life too, in a way that you sort of go. Yeah. I think, oh, and I think you're healthier for it. Mm, I'd say. I think so. I think so. Um, um, my next, I think my next one is also not going to be particularly uh, one piece. It says uh, number nine, name one item of memorabilia you've acquired from the circuit that you would happily pull from the fire before anything else, including loved ones. Um, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've got anything. I don't know if I've taken anything good for I one uh in fact I don't know where it is You've now. You've got to so try this, harder. Was that? You've got to try harder. I should try and nick <laughs> things. Um for years I had a com- I had a comedy store spotlight, but I used that at my own little club I ran and that was great. Um I got given I got given that. Um and I <laughs> For some years, I did work experience at the Hackney Empire when I was 15, and I got I, I had a piece of rigging rope that I kept with me for a long time for no real reason other than that that's a piece of rigging rope from the orig, original Hackney Empire rigging rope, and I, I never needed it. I never needed to say anything to it. I just had it. I don't know what's happened to it now. Um, but no, I don't... It's in a box somewhere. Yeah. I would stress, when, when I've acquired in that question, I don't necessarily, necessarily mean pilfered. I mean, you could have been presented with it or something. Oh, sure. I don't necessarily mean that you've... Yeah, I don't really think... Uh, I'm trying to think if I've been given anything remotely interesting. Not not really. Uh, and you're right. I well, should have tried... Just rifle some other comedians' bags in the green room. Just, just you know, get something out of it. Yeah, I did have my... Um, but again, I, I've lost this, so it slightly ruins the point. But my uh, my <laughs> oh, my lecturer at university, who's one, pretty much the main reason I ever did stand-up comedy, uh, Dr Oliver Double, who is an expert in comedy and writes lots about it, he gave me... Um, a few a few years back, went to some big anniversary show in Kent, and it was myself and Pappy's Fun Club and someone else, and we all did a show there. It was brilliant, and he gave me a Lego figure that looked like me, that was specifically designed to look like me, and it was so awesome. And in during a house move, it got lost, and I'm still sad about it because that is the one thing oh, I would no. have kept if I hadn't already lost it <laughs> because I'm an idiot. So. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, there you go. Oh, what a shame! Yeah, it's my it's my stupid fault. Uh, this is why I don't have a totem. You see, we go back to this. This is why I don't have a totem. Yeah. There's no point. You're proving your point. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number ten. Uh, what one thing would you not tell up and coming funny people so they can suffer like you did? That's mean. Uh, but I would. But for yes. the sake of this, I'll pretend I'm an asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I say pretend. I've clearly done a lot of method training. Um, I would tell them that. Uh, remember, the audience is wrong, and your joke is definitely funny on its first attempt. Um, there you go, and that is that is it. That's all I'd say. I'd keep it as brief as that, and I'd watch them fail and fail and fail again. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. That's quite I mean, for someone who's not evil, that that's quite incredibly evil. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah, thanks. One. Thanks. I'm, uh, I'm pleased with that, actually. Um number eleven, outside of comedy, what else do you enjoy doing and what would be your ideal career? Well, this is interesting because I've sort of stopped doing well, I've stopped doing adult comedy. I'm still shouting at children live. But yeah, I'm writing for kids' shows, and actually I've suddenly realized that it's made me excited like comedy used to. Um, and I, and I am loving it, but if I couldn't have done any of those, if we pretend that writing is part of all of it, we can pretend I had my choice in, uh, my choice at GCSE time between you're only allowed like the certain amount of creative subjects because, uh, the horrific way in which arts is treated in this country. Um, and I could have chosen, oh no, no. So it wasn't GCSE. It was was over a level. So, um, I loved art. I loved art so much. And I got, I'm going to be a total swat. I got an A star in my art GCSE. Um, and I got an A in my drama GCSE. But I really wanted to do, this is pretty wanting to be a stand-up. I wanted to be an actor. And I gave up art oh, wow. to do drama. And um, and I still miss art. I wish, I wish I had the space. I don't have space. We're in a little flat. I wish I had a big art room. I just wish I had a big art room that I could paint and make things and do stuff. And I've got worse at it because I don't do it often enough. Um, uh, I really used to be not good at it, but I used to be decent at proportion and getting and different no. techniques. And, and I haven't done it for years now. I do little bits of the nice thing of having of having a five year old is I do lots of lots of drawing and stuff with her now. And I'm remembering how much I absolutely love it. I just love sitting there with a pen, uh, a box of pens and, and pencils and scribbling away. And I uh, oh, often lovely. really miss it. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, an art career is terrible. <laughs> it's, it's even worse money. Uh, but my un- my uncle's an artist. Um, he's, a, he's a fantastic artist. My, my cousin is also an artist. Um, uh, and she got in the Royal Academy Summer Exhibition last year, which is very exciting. Wow. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, so it's in the family. But I, I love it. So I think if, if I couldn't do any of the other things I really enjoy, and I do enjoy all of them, uh, then, then that would be that. I reckon you should send if uh, Grayson Perry does his art club. Then send send in a piece because uh, yes, go license one, didn't he? So yeah, yeah, and it's worked out very well. Well, Joe's fantastic. I love Joe's art. Um, mm. He's brilliant at it. But yeah, I think um, I think it's finding time really as well. Like like there's really Fair you need a lot of like like to paint to paint. You really need like an afternoon. You need a whole lot, probably more than an afternoon. Depends on how big you paint, you know. And it's having that time to go and just spend time on nothing else just put music on that you love and and paint something and and i and i don't i think i'm probably not going to get that till my daughter's in her 20s and 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 somehow i land one script that actually pays me enough to not work every single day um so this is this is the dream and then i will buy a room just for art and i will do it that's my plan oh superb well i i i hope that all works out for you thank you there's a there's a there's a scene in. Did you watch Stage when it was on during the lockdown? So which which one? Because there's a Staged, Tenant and Sheen. No, I didn't. No. There's a. There's basically like they're doing over Zoom. They're trying to learn a play over Zoom, and obviously because they're great mates, obviously the whole thing is just mm. brilliantly crafted by everyone involved. But there is one scene where um they're talking about oh, we've done a painting each. And Tennant holds up this painting of a really badly drawn pineapple. And it's like, yeah, well, this is what I've done. And then Sheen holds up this beautifully crafted seascape. And Tennant's like, oh, fuck off, did you paint that? And he's like, yes, I did. I mean, that, that's like me trying to draw the pine. I'd be the pineapple guy. 
that I think I've done something okay-ish, and then someone else would hold up a paint and go, oh, yeah, I've just remembered how appallingly bad I am at art. <laughs> but, it, but, there's, but there's a nice thing with art, and again, it was something I wish I'd known myself years ago, but it doesn't matter. Like, doing it is the... Like, like I... I, I like um, I used to do, a, I did a life drawing class when I was sort of uh, later teens, and I loved it. I loved just the fact that everyone in there could do yeah. whatever they want. They everyone's picture looked different, and it was all brilliant. And I think yeah. it's not, it's it's that self expression. I think it's that whole it, with the UK. I'm really scared of how what's happening in the UK with art and how it's being belittled in every way. And it's not, you know, yes. it's being taken away from schools, but also it's becoming too expensive yeah. to do. And actually, I think. So often, I mean, I a uh, slight tangent here, but I really hit a point with comedy, and it's also one of six billion reasons why I'm doing writing now instead of comedy, where I couldn't watch comedy anymore, but I would get inspiration from going to the theatre, from walking around an art gallery. I needed to see other things yeah. for that input to give me another view into things. And we all Understood. need it. We all need it as a as something else to just even if you don't like it, it's stimulated you somehow. <laughs> and 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 by doing it. Even if you come away going, that's not the image I had, but it's something you've created and you've put, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's so important to all of us and we, we don't have the time or money to do it now, which is depressing. No, I I, I totally agree. I think, um, I, but I would say, say I, I accept where my, I'm at the age now where I know what I can do, which is, you know, ideas in my head, write them down in a script. I, I'm reasonably confident at that. Um, but I know I'm no good at art and I just accept that sure. there is a point where my my eye sees something, but it doesn't transmit to my hand properly. And I still, to this day, remember being at school, sat next to a brilliant, I don't know what he's doing now, but he was a brilliant artist called James. And we had to draw an orange. I mean, that's the kind of school I went to, you know, <laughs> real, you know, real state-of-the-art stuff. So we had to draw an orange. Um, and basically, in the 45 minutes, I think the lesson was, I drew a circle that just basically looked like anything, let's be honest, with some dots on it. And James drew an orange. It was all pencil. Yeah, yeah. But it was just this perfect, perfect orange. It's like, and I think even at that age, I went, "Yeah, art's not going to be my thing." I, I can I, see already. I mean, it's also <laughs> it's also very fair to know what you're good. Like, I am never going to spend any more of my life trying to learn an instrument. I have given up on that. I know it's not for me. <laughs> so I think, yeah, it is fair to it's very fair to know what what what's what's your bag or what isn't. Uh, Definitely. And then just enjoy it and be good at it. Don't beat yourself up about other stuff. Just enjoy the thing you are good at. Yeah. You're good at writing. Get on and write, you know. That's it. No, that's it. And I th but everyone always wants to be able to do the other thing that they can't do as well. That's it. It's always that thing, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yes, that, yeah, always no, that I, thing. I know. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. a thing for years about how many comedians really wanted to be rock stars uh, and how many rock stars really wanted to be comedians, um, which they didn't really because <laughs> the money was much worse. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, so the last, the list of the last question. These are good questions, Andy. Uh, I'm impressed. Thank you. Um, what is the one question you want to be asked that no one ever thinks to ask you? Why are you such a passionate lover? No, I'm only joking. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. How has that not come up? Yes, it comes up. It comes up every day. That's why I was joking. It's just what people in the street, they always, uh, it's what they say to me all the time. Um, I don't know. I... That's a very tricky question. I I don't know. I, there's lots of things people don't ask me. I mean, you do tend to get asked a lot about comedy because that's what I do. 
And I don't yeah. tend to get asked a lot about anything else that I'm interested in. I love cooking. I love cooking so much. No one really talks to me about cooking, but for my wife, every day we discuss what we're going to have for dinner. Um, and that is, you know, um, but I'm really big into Southeast Asian food at the moment. And I'm trying to read lots of books about it and make my own noodles and, and different oh, wow. sauces and uh, gyoza. And I really like, I find different flavors. I, I Again, on my list of things I can't understand about other people, which is very snobbish. People that always like, I just eat this and I don't like anything else. And I always think, but the things that titillate your mouth and the, the way different tastes work, yeah. I, I find it, I mean, I'm, I'm veggie. So there's obviously some things I don't eat right? if, if it's got a face. But generally, I love trying and tasting different things. And in the same way, I love hearing yeah. different music. I'm, I'm a massive music fan, even if I can't play an instrument. I love hearing types of music I've never heard before and going, what does that do to my brain? I think I'm constantly interested in things and and i want to if i it's weird i love working i absolutely love working writing but if i could i'd also just travel forever and eat everything and listen to everything and see everything and um and I don't, I, I don't really ever talk about that stuff because people always go, "What was your favourite gig?" And you go, "Oh, I don't know, <laughs> one of them." So there we go. There you go. Um, I no, I totally agree that uh, someone I used to go out with, her brother, um, just drove me up the wall because they would used to go on holiday to different places. So tick, well done, exploring other countries. But then they'd spend most of the holiday trying to find a McDonald's because they didn't want to. Uh, Sample the food. So you're literally in another country where you could just try, even if you don't like it. Yeah, I totally understand that. But but even I mean, even when they went to Italy, I thought surely in Italy they get. I mean, Italy. We 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 all we eat most. Yeah, you know, loads of us eat Italian food. food and yeah. even then they're going now. We need to find McDonald's, and you're like, ah, oh, no, oh. no, it's, it's so <laughs> upsetting. <laughs> But it's also, it's like, so So we're trying really hard with our daughter at the moment. Um, or we, I say we try really, we, we have, since she was first able to eat solid foods, we would just put yeah. everything in front of her. So everything, even yeah. if it's stuff that you wouldn't think she'd eat. And then she just tried it herself. And we've got a whole thing now of at least give it a try. Just give it a try. And she'll go, I yeah. don't like that. Yeah. Have you tried it? No. And we go, give it a try. No. And she'll try it. And then she goes, oh, I do I like it. Yeah. And um, and it's, yeah. but it's, is she now eats, she eats a lot. Like she loves, weird, She she's five, but she loves olives and broccoli and all sorts of things that you think. And, and I just think it's allowing her to have a choice, but also just like trying to make her not afraid of giving it a go. And, and. I, you know this. I don't know. I I think there's so many amazing foods out there. Why you wouldn't? Why you wouldn't want to eat them? It's baffling to me. That's no, I, I even I say even if you try and go, not for me. Fair enough. Yeah. At least you've tried it, but never to try it. I just I can't get my head around why you wouldn't. Because nah. how did you know you liked anything to start with? By definition, you know, it's only by trying it, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. You, you know. know, and I I just yeah I totally with you on that. Yeah, I try stuff. Um, try just try things, all that. Try all the stuff. That's a good mess. I think it's a good good message to finish on. Try all the things. Try all of the stuff. Yes. Yeah. That's an excellent way to end. Thank yeah. you, Tina. Thank you very much. And with that, I'll I'll I'll, I'll let you go and make your sandwich with that oven cleaner in it. So. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll try my best. Right. This could be my last ever interview. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. This is the last thing that Tina was ever heard to say. Yes. <laughs> uh, thanks, Andy. Right. So, a big thank you to you for that interview. Um, if you'd like to know more, there'll be links in the show notes. This has been an original podcast production for Light Motif Productions. Thank you for listening. <laughs>